disclaimer all views and opinions expressed are personal and do not purport to reflect the views or opinions of any institution or organization hi all and welcome to the all new episode of the unlockdown watch next to normal series today we have with us a very special guest mr gaurav shukla who is a partner with deloitte india's risk advisory function with specialization in cyber risk services Hi sir and thank you so much for coming. Thank you Jagan it's a pleasure thank you very much. Thank you sir. So before we kick off today's episode I would like you to introduce your esteemed self and let the audience know a little bit about your role. Sure all right I am a partner with Deloitte with a specialization in cyber risk services this is something that I've been doing for over 16 years now I had started my career as a penetration tester Uh, then moved into the various areas of IT security. That is what it used to be referred to as at that point in time. Then uh, it, it, it used to be called as information security. Then uh, now it is predominantly called as cyber security. So right from penetration testing up to application security assessment, infrastructure security to security governance, uh, uh, setting up as chief of information security offices for various clients and uh, providing end-to-end the cyber security services for any organization right from cyber strategy, transformation, design to implementation of various security products, security solutions and uh, to provide the 24 by 7 uh, security operations or management services including uh, remote monitoring of uh, security events security incidents and of course uh, a crisis management and resilience which is something that would resonate with a lot of people right now uh, i have been part of or associated with uh, all of these uh, pillars so to say of cybersecurity and have gained uh, immense experience uh, working with a lot of clients uh, in india and across the globe as well that's quite a profile sir inspiration to many and many youngs looking for a career path like that and sir moving Thank forward you. sir moving forward before getting into the meat of the topic looking at the geopolitical crisis the pandemic the ransomware attack all other such things that are currently happening where do you see india is positioned in terms of its data protection or cyber security as a whole okay look uh, as far as uh, uh, data protection or data privacy is concerned while a lot of uh, countries across the globe had uh, had some kind of regulation some kind of standard or guidelines or policies that were established and they were following them rigorously and uh, you know whether it is uh, uh, us uh, australia europe singapore also for that matter in india we actually did not have it but over the last a couple of years or so due to various eminent voices and cybersecurity professionals those started uh, making it uh, aware to the government agencies that it is important to protect and safeguard the data of uh, residents and citizens from privacy perspective and also from overall data protection or safeguard perspective as well to not only provide enough security or protection for the privacy but also save them from uh, you know certain cyber attacks as well and uh, as a result of that uh, we have got uh, india privacy bill which is right now in a very advanced stages and uh, like everybody else i'm also looking forward this bill to be converted into an act so that it becomes kind of applicable and and be followed by the entire country so privacy i would say we had been a bit uh, late starter Uh, but from the data protection perspective i think uh, there are two ways to look at it one data 
protection and data safeguarding of uh, the domain data or the consumer data and uh, citizen data within the country and also the capability of the country via industry bodies, organizations and companies that are equipped well enough to provide various measures, various services, various products to safeguard this. So while the latter had been quite prevalent and uh, our security or cyber security and privacy capability from Indian industry perspective has been a force to reckon with and we have been providing as industry uh, such services uh, across the globe and have been playing instrumental role to safeguard the data and uh, and information of a lot of clients uh, globally so i think uh, from geo perspective we are quite uh, very well placed to provide enough measures to safeguard and protect the data which is uh, in our country whether it is coming from outside or it is being uh, curated and then managed within our country. It's just that uh, awareness which has been lacking and uh, a level of intent which uh, was uh, not right up there. But uh, I think uh, due to some of the recent attack or uh, certain crises that have taken place over the last few years or so, I think uh, board level conversation in every organization and uh, at the government level also cyber security or privacy is uh, acquiring tremendous mind share so i think from both sides the capability side of it and also implementing or using those capability to safeguard the data we are quite well placed to safeguard and secure our uh, you know assets whether it is information or the data or any other financial related uh, transaction that is taking place and not to forget the brand reputation does take a very important role which gets impacted in case of an organization or maybe a state is under cyber attack so i think i think we are quite well placed it's just that we have to get our acts together we have to be a bit more streamlined and uh, we will be a country which can stand up and say uh, we not only do have the capability in cyber security space to serve the clients uh, across the globe but also we're using those capabilities to safeguard our assets internally within our country as well yes sir definitely so when you were speaking about the personal data protection bill mm -hmm. when i was doing my research like i found it being similar in terms of their structure when compared to the gdpr the general data protection uh, regulation but sir like should india also look at imposing fines like how the gdpr did in order to make it more resilient or robust okay so there are certain provisions, but let me just touch upon the fundamental aspects of our data privacy bill, which is uh, referred to as personal data protection bill from Indian context. Look, we've started taking steps to enact a data protection framework modeled along, like you mentioned, the lines of GDPR. And about three years ago, July 2017, the government of India had appointed a committee of experts on a data protection framework for India. And this committee used to be was referred to as a data protection committee, which carried out actually a study related to data protection framework and related to data requirements in India. And therefore, the law which was there from the personal data protection bill perspective in European Union, which was GDPR, they also studied that and then they tried to merge or they tried to, I would say, learn the things which we could perhaps uh, embrace or which you could have uh, which could perhaps take from gdpr 
and incorporate in our uh, you know data production bill this included requirements uh, for for example notice prior consent of the use of individual data limitation on the purpose for which data would be processed by companies and certain restrictions to ensure that uh, data is only taken which is necessary for providing services to the individual in question besides this uh, this also included data localization requirement which are quite pre prevalent right now rbi had issued a directive on data localization for all the financial institutions and uh, you would uh, notice that over the last uh, few months or so almost all organizations uh, which have uh, uh, something to do with financial transactions which come under the purview of uh, or banking and financial insurance sector or nbfcs they have started taking it up very seriously they have started talking to npcis and uh, uh, started talking to the the companies which are which are certain impaneled auditors to seek their advices in terms of how they can go ahead and then comply with data localization requirement which also is a subset of of the personal data protection bill for us so those are certain things that uh, we have uh, imbibed from gdpr but there are certain things that uh, we where we differ from gdpr and the most significant being the provision of criminal penalties uh, for harms arising for violation of the bill and the proposal to create the relationship between a data processor and its consumer as a fiduciary relationship so that is where noticeable difference is there in addition to that if you really do careful analysis of uh, the impact of the proposed bill on emerging technologies and their application from the indian context that also is very important uh, for example the proposed bill could potentially impact the business model of many firms providing financial technology or we call them fintech services now only 5% mind you only 5% of consumers place their trust in retailers to ensure their data privacy according to one of the surveys that we had uh, conducted uh, on uh, consumer privacy in the retail segment recently and this was a finding that uh, got revealed in the current times uh, you know when covid-19 is at uh, you know it's a world which has become quite common in every household across the globe the consumer anxiety around this topic of uh, privacy continues to elevate we had another survey which revealed that about 43% of people who had responded to the survey they agreed that uh, the concern of uh, privacy during these times has significantly gone up right similarly we did some study on uh, connectivity and mobile trends uh, and we found that about 72% consumers agreed that they were more aware of how their data is collected and used than they were a year you know before that and this study was conducted in 2019 so what i'm trying to highlight here jagan really is that awareness also from the indian context within the organizations within the companies has increased from privacy perspective now very specific to your point on penalty uh, there are provision of uh, penalty in the personal data protection bill on certain infringements and it ranges uh, from 2% or 5 crore or maybe 4% to 15 crore of the annual turnover of the organization uh, depending upon uh, which infringement and which bracket they fall in so from that perspective certain provisions are made there for sure it was a, a very well articulated answer actually because to understand the context we need to set the background like uh, what uh, personal data protection bill is about and all so this will give a very good understanding to our audience uh, when they listen to this and so like moving forward speaking about the pandemic how it has taken over the entire world 
sir due to the pandemic most workforce of all the companies is now working from home mm-hmm. and they are like moving out from their safe intranet environment so if we look at this from the privacy and data security point of view are the companies mm-hmm. totally ready for this and how should they prepare themselves to ensure that their data is protected so before like you answer this question i would like to quote two examples over here sure. one is the i wouldn't uh, name it but uh, so there was an xyz company they had a ransomware attack on their email but their uh, internal team stepped in instantaneously and they were able to restrict the effect and also mm-hmm. when i went through a citrix architecture it spoke that only half of the operational and low priority data is available on the web or on the cloud and most of the data of big organizations are in their data centers which now needs to move out to give access because they are moving out of their intranet environment and uh, some files maybe need to move maybe they need to move it to the cloud environment so how should the companies completely cope up with this kind of situation sure so jagan let me just first address whether companies are fully geared up or were fully geared up to this work from home uh, situation that uh, suddenly had arisen and uh, all of us had to be kind of confined to our homes for uh, ensuring our well-being look this was a very unprecedented situation nobody across the globe perhaps had uh, foreseen it as far as work from home is concerned or remote working is concerned organizations uh, most of the organizations i would say did have some provisions to allow remote working to allow work from home but the way you see or the way you perceive work from home now versus maybe 5 months ago that perception is different now that uh, i would say the usage is different now work from home as far as an employee was concerned earlier choice that was given where individual in case uh, he or she wants to balance some of the errands at home uh, without having to impact the work used to ask his or her reporting manager that could i work from home for today or maybe next two days or so and so it was uh, it was a discretion at that point in time but the situation that we were that we were presented with about 4 months ago it was not a, a discretion and m- many organizations despite having a rigorous or very uh, religious business continuity management plan had to immediately shift uh, the entire workforce across the globe to start work from home uh, governments were not prepared states were not prepared countries weren't prepared to manage uh, such sudden lockdown across the globe and uh, if i can quote a study that was conducted and i read it somewhere which said that uh, uh, there were about 27% of users or workforce they which used to work remotely or from home uh, pre covid 19 times and uh, after lockdown started in almost across the globe that uh, number from 27% it became to about 60 to 70% so such was the rise of work from home or remote working because of this particular unprecedented situation a crisis or pandemic whatever you call it but look few things uh, while emotional well being personal well being and few other things they they were uh, quite of concern from the employee concern and which is where i think all the organizations and states and the countries etc were running a very rigorous campaign to ensure the well being of their employees because look employees are one of the most critical assets for any organization 
So that was going on. But at the same time, it was also important for the organizations to step up their technology infrastructure so that business does not interrupt. Business does not suffer beyond a particular you know, time or period or maybe a level. And which is where you would have noticed that usage of technology or adoption of technology, primarily of the remote working tools, remote working technology and collaboration tools had significantly gone up. Right. Um, I do not want to name the organizations, but then uh, the very medium that we are uh, right now conversing on, Jagan, this has become a household name now. Everybody almost is using this particular medium for collaboration, for doing office conversation, for maybe general conversation, town halls, all hands meets. All of those things, as far as organizations concerned, are, are happening on these collaborative technology platform. And this happened so suddenly that these technology platforms, which were providing this kind of collaboration, this kind of teleconferencing, this kind of video conferencing, they were also perhaps not geared up to manage so many users at the same time. And you would have noticed that over the last four months, almost all of these organizations have ramped up the ability to deal with the number of users significantly at any point in time. So the good thing is that adoption of technology, adoption of digital has suddenly gone up. Second is uh, it has uh, brought a lot of uh, new and emerging ways of uh, working. Uh, we call it, uh, this is new normal now. And uh, there is uh, a lot of uh, conjecture that is going on where organizations are looking to reduce their real estate space and uh, they're thinking work from home if can be one of the ways of regular working now or you know one of the ways of uh, increasing productivity and uh, reducing the cost but at the same time they're also very cautious about uh, maintaining the well-being of the employee and, and the user as such yeah so so these are certain things that have changed and uh, i don't think so that we will ever be able to go back to pre-march situation this is something that we'll have to live with now these are the ways of working that will be there for long long time in future as well and this is something which is normal i do not call it a new normal this is now normal from my perspective yes now because of all of these changes there is uh, an element of cyber security cyber risk and also the privacy related concerns that do kick in organizations when they are expanding their infrastructure they are scaling their infrastructure certainly may not have looked into some of those uh, aspects in order to meet the demand and which is why i think there were certain reports in march and april time frame that uh, certain organizations went under attack or some kind of secure issues were identified etc you know why it happens anything which suddenly picks up anything which suddenly catches the attention anything which suddenly rises the cyber attack community or the black hat community also finds it an easy target and which is why if you if you notice there was a report which said that uh, attacks uh, after uh, uh, lockdown started attacks had risen by 86 percent in four weeks between march and april yeah and uh, there was uh, in the last fortnight of march and early April, there were about 400,000 plus incidents of spam emails that were being uh, reported and they all were related to COVID-19. And those spam mails, many of them were phishing emails also. So these attackers found uh, a medium of targeting 
a lot of users high profile low profile doesn't matter for financial scam and for information theft etc during this time and uh, they thought that uh, ransomware and uh, uh, other attacks of uh, related to cyber security etc uh, could be launched and they indeed uh, you know went on a rampage and there was a sudden surge which took place now uh, many organizations were not prepared for this because as i said when you scale something very significantly to meet the demand many times you slip or you give low priority to cyber security related aspects and cyber security related controls but as work from home becomes now normal as remote working will become more and more dominant and prevalent we feel that organizations need to go back and revisit their cyber risk management program and very seriously include remote working and remote working not from the administration of the technology infrastructure or management of technology infrastructure point of view or also in certain cases where they provide virtual private network connectivity to connect to a secure servers uh, you know in the regulated env uh, environment or regulated industry but also for almost everything that happens in the organization as far as processing of the information is concerned is storage of the information is concerned or the transmission of information is concerned they will have to ensure that cyber security and privacy related controls are integrated in the entire life cycle and there are certain things that organizations can look at i'll just call out a few things that i think are very important at this stage one is organizations must assess their uh, data security readiness for increased uh, remote access of the information system and uh, all the gaps that they they find they need to go back and plug it back from the process perspective policy perspective technology perspective for sure but at the same time from the awareness of people perspective as well organizations need to embrace even more rigorous privacy policies and data security protocols to match the scalability of company wide remote working infrastructure organizations will need to deploy additional security safeguard as needed uh, such as uh, on you know uh, company laptops which need to be having two factor authentication or maybe bio or biometric authentication robust uh, vpn solutions and encryption of uh, the local files not just through the transmission of the files but also local files any any industry which is working in a very regulated environment what needs to be uh, made sure is that users are just given dummy terminal or just the browser you know their virtual desktop in uh, infrastructure environment also now which is referred to as vdi just use that vdi in the secure setup and then provide only access to the secure server and everything processing storage etc happens uh, in the secure environment while the from the end user perspective it is only a dummy terminal or maybe browser which user is uh, having in his or her control and you did talk about one of the one of such platforms yeah so more security safeguards are required and uh, not only the one that you mentioned there are other such uh, you know vdi uh, platforms which are available now organization may need to have uh, relook at uh, the contracts with uh, their third parties and fourth parties fifth parties etc which appropriately and comprehensively cover for remote working and work from home scenario from the security and privacy perspective and uh, of course uh, as i said the training and uh, awareness on the privacy and cyber security best practices for the employees as work from home increases and becomes a normal 
needs to be at a faster pace as well. You mentioned about on-premises versus data which is going to be in the cloud in the remote working scenario. So see, it really depends upon organization's strategy and organization's business continuity strategy also, whether they want to have their data to be on-premises or data centers to to be set up on-premises or versus, uh, you know, hosting it all on the cloud. However, and it could be private cloud or public cloud, etc. However, in either case, what needs to be ensured is the security and privacy and the smooth connectivity uh, to the data and the, and the, the technology systems which are holding the data between the user and them for the service uh, continuity as well. So I really do not uh, concern whether the data is hosted in on-premises or in the cloud, uh, security and privacy in either case must be maintained. Yes, sir. So speaking about banking, BFSIs and fintech companies, so today Mm -hmm. the plastic currency is becoming an essential commodity for most of us around the world. For example, when we look at India specifically, as per the October 2019 stats, there are 50.3 million credit card users and 830 million debit card users. And we have three main players in the in this segment. So in an, act, uh, in an article that uh, we came across in our research, we found out that one big industry that is there in this segment faces 4,60,000 intrusions or hacks within a day. So in the current scenario, and uh, with the government encouraging digital payments and trying to bring in the uh, rural population into the digital space. Are we today more vulnerable or at uh, risk than we were five years back? See, uh, the government of India has been taking several measures to promote and encourage digital payments in the country. As part of uh, their Digital India campaign, the government aimed to create a digitally empowered economy that is faceless, paperless, and cashless. Uh, There are various types and modes of digital payments, not restricted to only credit cards. And some of these include uh, definitely credit and debit cards, but it is also internet banking, mobile wallets, digital payment apps, a unified payment interface like uh, UPI services, unstructured supplementary services data like USSD, bank prepaid cards, mobile banking, and so on and so forth, right? So it is just not restricted to credit cards or debit cards, so to say. It is, uh, there are several platforms for uh, making or enabling uh, financial transactions. Rural sector, you know, if you ask me, really holds significant importance in the economy uh, for the development of any country. Uh, And in some of the recent developments like demonetization and its related impacts, which has led to huge transformation in the market dynamics as far as adoption of digital payment platforms was concerned. And you would notice, like you also mentioned, the adoption of those digital platforms has gone up significantly. And if you ask me uh, before pre-demonetization period, where a very few merchants and consumers were there from rural segments, which were using the digital payment solutions, but uh, now it has gone exponentially uh, using point of sale as well as other digital payment platforms, which I referred to uh, earlier on. But but see, uh, yes, as I said earlier also, when the expansion, the scale or availability or adoption of any technology increases, comes with it the cyber threat. Therefore, it is very, very important for organization to integrate or or uh, include 
cyber security controls and privacy controls right from the design of the technology solution and of course when it is designed it is at the design stage uh, then it needs to be in the build phase which is where the implementation is happening and also in the regular management of the technology solutions as well and it has to be done for the entire ecosystem not just for one particular network layer or maybe application layer or the user layer it has to be for the entire ecosystem i i can give you some of the examples which i can think of where vulnerabilities with regard to rural people or rural population get where they get involved in the digital space like consumers uh, are yet to get rid of the cash based transaction habits as of the decades india has been a cash based economy right so their awareness or their comfort with uh, with the usage of these uh, fintech solutions or these platforms whether it's a wallet or upi etc whatever it is is not uh, as uh, much as it would be for an urban user right so from that perspective i think uh, while all of these technology solutions to promote digital payments is being pushed awareness need to be pushed to these people as well because look in the rural areas a farmer which is making a transaction let's say using a mobile wallet his uh, ability to understand the frauds or fraudulent emails or maybe social engineering um, sms's or other kinds of texts etc is going to be very very limited and their appetite for the risk exposure as far as his or her finances a concern is also going to be quite limited therefore it is very important that uh, uh, some awareness session some kind of education is is provided to these people so they can at least safeguard themselves from certain types of attack or uh, malicious activities that they can notice yeah so yeah. so that is going to be one and then third i would say is uh, the one is awareness and then how we can in, include like i mentioned security throughout the life cycle uh, whereby even if a user is making a mistake we should be able to have predictive analytics and be able to catch that this does not appear to be a regular transaction from this particular user and then we the, our ability to stop and alert that transaction so that is where i think organizations will have to come forward and include those kind of predictive analytics capability in any financial transactions while they do it but i think uh, there is uh, much more which can be done in that space look indian finance fintech is one of the top 5 markets by value of capital funding and investment in the sector which is nearly 270 million plus based on the funding that it had received till 2016 so i think uh, if uh, organizations are coming forward government is also looking at it uh, as one of the channels for the growth of economy two things that uh, are uh, of utmost importance one is of course uh, uh, increasing the awareness and the education level of uh, uh, rural population so that they at their level can catch some of these uh, vulnerabilities or threats or maybe attacks which perhaps are being launched at them and also increase the technology quotient in such a way that uh, technology is more than fully equipped to alert detect and prevent such kind of uh, misbehaviors yes sir, sir uh, like rightly speaking about the predictive analytics uh, predictive analytics and the technological inclusion 
in these uh, sectors so should they also look at adopting cyber threat intelligence into their systems and like can you explain uh, cyber threat intelligence in brief to our audience as well so that they can get a taste of it like what cyber threat intelligence is all right great so so you i like that you're threading it back to the finance banking and financial institutions because they are one of the most regulated businesses and uh, the need to have uh, threat intelligence or cyber threat intel intelligence as or or cti as it is also called in its abbreviation form uh, is very very important is very very much required there adversaries and hackers uh, are using more sophisticated technology to obtain information which could allow them to commit fraud without being detected and which can jeopardize the business of these financial institutions and also bring disrepute and loss of customer confidence for them as far as uh, you know cti or threat intelligence or cyber threat in intelligence whatever you call it uh, what is it it is important to understand that it is nothing but an information or a set of information which enables an organization to understand the threats that they already may be under or they have already gone through or they might be subject to in future right and the technique to identify the various points various types of information from where this threat can emerge and that includes open source intelligence social media intelligence human intelligence technical intelligence and also intelligence of deep web or dark web when all of this information is available and it is put together for analysis purpose by the cybersecurity expert who can predict the kind of attack an adversary or an attacker could launch at the organization is called cyber threat intelligence and in very short term it is basically information that cybersecurity experts analyze based on what is available at various sources whether it is open source social media like i said their own organizations technical platforms uh, gathering of information and human intelligence including deep web and dark web uh, when they analyze it and then they predict okay now based on this information which is emanating from various sources if they can be put together perhaps a new level of threat can emanate and it could harm an organization or a particular sector or a particular industry or a particular target user now when this information is analyzed and given to an organization in the form of prediction that perhaps we believe based on our analysis of what is happening in the ecosystem right now you may be subject to or you may be a recipient of certain types of attack therefore watch out be prepared for this so that you can take either preventive defensive or offensive actions to suitably combat those threats which might emanate right so analytics plays a very important role here and our uh, as far as deloitte is concerned we have got uh, multiple cyber intelligence centers across the globe and they are all interconnected we've got uh, in india in delhi and as well as hyderabad where a team of dedicated cyber security research researchers they analyze this information coming out from various sources and also from our cyber intelligence centers from across the globe and we provide an intelligent advisory to our clients helping them be better prepared to effectively and efficiently manage the threats 
that perhaps either already there in their uh, ecosystem in their environment or perhaps uh, they're going to be subject to so that uh, i would say uh, is the genesis and idea behind cyber threat intelligence yeah jagan yes sir that's it sir. thank you so much sir thank you so much for taking your time out and uh, taking uh, taking us throughout this insightful ride and i am sure our audience will also like this episode that's it from our side sir thank you very much jagan thanks uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, as as i would say as a cybersecurity professional in these times it is important to m- ensure your well being be safe as well as be cybersecure is what i would say thank Definitely, you very much sir